Appreciate it. Two weeks ago, the last time we spoke to you, tried to, we opened up the subject and had hoped to try to finish the subject, although we have found out it's a subject that can't be finished. Uh, I'll read the entire verse to you. It's Isaiah 9, verse 6, 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name, his shoulder, singular, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We tried to deal with the first part of this last time, for unto us a child is born. And we tried to show the necessity of flesh being made in the way in which it was. And one of those reasons, there's various reasons, one of those reasons is because that's who he came to save, were children that were flesh. And it, he had to take likewise, likewise part of the same. He didn't take the sin aspect of it, but he took the flesh aspect of it. That means he hungered just like you. He got tired just like you. Uh, if, if, it fa if he fell, he bruised just like you. He wore flesh just like you and I, sin accepted. And it required that because the purpose of him coming would require a sacrifice, and that sacrifice requires a body, a flesh. This time, Lord, be our helper. We'd like to try to concentrate unto us a son is given. Uh, Anytime I approach a subject, I recognize the awesomeness of it. I hope to. Uh, trust I do. Uh, but as we have gotten into this, we have just, uh, this morning, additional things. And we have studied uh, a lot on the subject, and yet we're still finding things that we need to say about it. So I pray that the Lord would, uh, all, all that that has happened in our study and meditation and so forth uh, was good. But unless the Lord blesses it, it, it won't be any good for you or me or uh, his cause this morning. So I, I trust the Lord to be merciful to us. For unto us a child is born, but not so with the son. The son is not born. The son is given. Is there a reason for that? And there certainly is. You know, the question concerning the son has always been a stumbling block. In fact, he's referred to as the stumbling stone. Uh, Christ himself asked two different questions about himself, and they're familiar to you, but I'll go ahead and turn to it and read them. One's in the 22nd chapter of Matthew. Forty-first verse, 22 and 41 of Matthew. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. Now, this is one case where running references can help you. If you look at Mark 12 and 35, you find out this happened while Jesus was in the temple teaching. Here it just says they gathered. didn't say where they gathered, but they were gathered in the temple, and Christ was teaching them. Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ, whose son is he? They said unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is, how is he his son? Now notice the results of this now. And no man was able, now, now he's in the temple, and around him are gathered Pharisees, I don't know how many, but it, I would imagine a few. And no man was able to answer him a word. Well, not only that, but look at the rest of it. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. I think the Lord was happy about that. 
The questions they would ask was not to find out answers. It was to try to stumble, try to cause an obstacle to come. And every time the Lord would answer the question uh, with truth, because he is truth, and it would confound those that would ask the question. Now they said with David, well that's kind of an interesting answer when you look in Revelations 22 where Christ himself says, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Well how can that be? I am the root, I'm before David, I'm the root of David, I'm the source of David. David sprung from me, as it were. I'm the root and the offspring of the. How, how can that be? That's mysterious. That's a no, no. No wonder they didn't have an answer for him when he says, "The Lord said unto my Lord." Now, the second time he asked a question similar to that, similar to that. We hear the answer, the right answer to that question. That's in the 16th chapter of Matthew. And here in the 13th verse, 16 and 13 of Matthew, the Lord asked his disciples this time, not the Pharisees, but now his disciples, whom do men say, M-E-N, men, plural, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others, and Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? You understand that's a whole different question than what he had done before. Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. Here's the answer. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answereth him and said unto him, Blessed art thou. So oftentimes we uh, get on Peter for things he maybe has said or done and shouldn't have. The Lord blessed him with this one. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So what do we find? We find that in knowing the Lord, it takes the revelation of God. To know who the Lord really is. People can study him in Josephus or whatever has a historical person. Not much said about him there. But anyway, about a historical character. Uh, there's people that would say he's a good man. Uh, there's people that would say very. But to know really who he is, it's by the revelation of God to you. Not to us, to you individually, to Simon Peter. And when that happens, you're a blessed individual. So, it's that understanding that to know who the Son of God is requires a revelation. I would come back and ask you again, why did it say he is given? Why didn't it say he's born? That's what he said about the child. He didn't say the child is given, did he? No, he said he's born. Well, why, why, why use that term? Here's the answer. Here's the answer of why. Because he was before Isaiah 9-6. He was before. He was already there. He was already present and active as the son of of God. Not only was he there before Isaiah 9-6, he was there before time. Not only is he before time, he is eternally the Son of God. Period. Now there's been all kinds of problems that people have with that truth. Let it not be among us as primitive Baptist. He is the eternal son of God. Go to Hebrews, first chapter of Hebrews. We get a little idea into who he is. 
Hebrews 1 and 1, first verse. God, who at sundry times and in divers matters spake in times past unto the Father by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Now stop for a second. By whom also he made the world. I'll return to that in just a second. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. By him, by him, by whom also he made the world. Well, what does John have to say about that? Let's go over to the first chapter of John and we hear this very familiar scripture to us. In the beginning was the Word, capital W-O-R-D. Let me simplify this for you and me both. The Word is but another title for the Son of God. Period. He's not the Son because He's the Word. He's the Word because He's the Son of God eternally. Well, let's hear about this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginnings with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Hebrews tells it, by His Son things were made. Why? Because they're the same one. <laughs> the Word was made flesh to dwell among That's back to a child is, is, is born. We talked about that and used that particular thing. My friends, it's miraculous as you start looking in to this subject. Let's, let's go to Galatians real quick. Galatians 4. Well, I'll just, well, might as well just try to find it since I got this far with it. Galatians 4 says this. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. He couldn't have sent him forth if he hadn't already been there. And this is when the fullness of time was come. That meant God knew all along, as well as the Son, when he was going to come and be born of a woman, be born of a virgin. He knew all along. And it's when the fullness of time was come. But God sent him forth. He had to be there to be sent forth. What a glorious, glorious doctrine as we consider it. Let's go to Isaiah. Start finding out a little bit more about this and, uh, and trust that it will have uh, some value to you. 43rd chapter of Isaiah. Going to get a little bit deeper into this with trust. 43 and 11. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me there is no Savior. Who can he be talking about? Who's the I in that text except the Son of God? Besides me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and I have showed among I have showed when there was no strange God among them. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. I am God. See, you get into the subject, you'll get in quickly to the subject of the triune God. One God, three persons, but one God. There's only so far we can go in our knowledge and understanding because we're going to get, before it's through, in things that happened before time was. I have no reference for that. I'm a timely creature as you are. I, don't under, I can't even talk in a way that would not bring time in it. Even the word before brings time into it, you understand. 
But before there was time, in the beginning, God. That's the first words of the Bible. Do you know that word God is in a plural? Not that there's plural gods, but there's three persons in one God. I've heard people say, well, that talks about the Son and the Father, but how about the Spirit? Read the second verses in the Bible. And the Spirit moved across the deep. Three and one, my friends. Here's something I found just a little while ago. Thirteenth verse. Yea, before the day was, I am he. What day? Before the day was, I am he. I don't think this is talking about a 24-hour cycle. I don't think this is even talking from, from sunrise to sunset. But it's referred to as a day. And I believe that what that day is, is talking about, listen now, talking about a time before there was time. And the way to refer to that before time is to say day. Could have been another word. They used day. Before the day was, before time was, I am he. It's an eternal now. Tell them I am that I am have sent you. It's an eternal now. It's an eternal day. I don't think anybody here, hope not, has thought or is thinking that in heaven there's a 24-hour cycle. <laughs> Is there nighttime in heaven? No, there's no nighttime in heaven. Why? Because there's no time in heaven. It's eternity. Well, let's, let's, let's look at that real quickly. Revelations again, 21, I believe it is. I'll go read it this time. 22 and 23 of the 21st chapter of Revelations. He says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord, Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, S-U-N, not S-O-N, the sun, S-U-N, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Well, if you think it's going to be that way after time, I'm going to say it was that way before time. Now, it'd be good if I had some scripture more than that one, and I do. Let's go to 1 Timothy, I believe it is. 1 Timothy, 6th chapter of 1 Timothy. 15th verse, 15th and 16th. So 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16 verses. Which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. You know what a potentate is? It's a supreme power. It is the supreme power. But listen. Who only hath immortality Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can seem, to whom be honor and power and everlasting. Amen. What was Moses' problem? Had to be hid in the cliff of the rock, didn't he? More than that, God had to put his hand over it because God told him, no man could look in my face and see. He is light. That's what it says. God, in, in 1 John, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I say before time, it was an eternal day, just like it's going to be when time is no more, that day continuing into eternity. My friends, again, as I consider these things, as I dwell on them, as my mind goes through them, I find myself lost in wonder. Let's, 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 deeper, let, let's go just 
Re- let, come let us reason together, the Lord says. Let's, let's just reason. Look at John 5 and 25. Again, very familiar scripture. For the hour is coming and not is, now is when the dead. Are they naturally dead? No. This is talking about regeneration. They're spiritually dead. But they're going to hear something. What are they going to hear? For the time is coming and now is that they shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Do you think there was regeneration in the Old Testament? If you don't, then you and I got a big difference. Obviously there was. Well, my friends, either the Lord changed how he did regeneration, which, by the way, he says, I am God and I change not. Or the Son of God had to be there, my friends, when the very first was regenerated, which had to be Adam and Eve. When you think about that, what happened before God made Adam and Eve? What did he say? Let what? Let blank make man. Let us. Who's the us? This was before Adam and before Eve. Who's the us there? Talking to the angels? No. That's the triune Godhead, my friend. Let us. Ah, the Son of God was there. That let us make him in what? Our likeness. He already knew what he was going to look like when he came in the body. Hang on to that. We'll try to get back to it. Eighth chapter of John. Kind of similar to what he said about David. Remember what he said? I am the root and offspring of David. Uh, he had more to say. You know, when he said it in Revelations, there's no... Uh, reaction that you see of it just right then. But what I'm getting ready to see agreed to you now, there was reaction to. Eighth chapter of Romans, 56 verse. You're Christ speaking. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I believe he saw it, my friends, when Abraham took Isaac up to offer him as a sacrifice. And he would have plunged his knife uh, through, the, uh, through that body and killed his son there. We know that because of what Hebrews has to say about it. What does Hebrew have to say about it? It says that he knew God had promised that through that boy, he was the promised seed. 100-year-old man, 90-year-old woman, they don't have babies, especially when you hadn't had them for a lifetime. He was the promised seed. And he knew that from that promised seed will be an issue coming forth great more than the numbers of the stars. And that boy being 12, 13, something like that, he hadn't had any children yet. So he knew either God lied to him or if I even take the life of that boy, God's going to raise him back again because he's promised me. that that's, That's the faith of Abraham. That what God has promised, he was able also to perform. Fourth chapter Romans. Well, there was a reaction when he said that. The reaction was this. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. He was there. The Son of God is eternal. He was there. Now look what happened. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. How could he hide himself if he passed right through the midst of them? The Bible doesn't say. I don't know. That's what he did. You know, there's people. I, I have relatives that are this way. There's people that unless they can logically figure out what the Bible says, they're slow to believe it. Don't be slow to believe it when it says something just frankly like that. 
I don't know how he did. Don't need to know how he did. If we believe that the scriptures are a thorough, thorough furniture under all good works, if we needed to know, it'd be in there. And if it's not in there, we don't need to know it. And if somebody says they know, they're just guessing. Because the Bible doesn't say it. Well, let's go to one more in John. Let's go to 17th chapter of John. This is the Lord praying. 17 and 1. I want the fifth scripture first, but let me go ahead and read down to it. 17 and 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's what we said in Galatians, right? Sent forth his Son. I have glorified thee on the earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now listen to this fifth verse. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory of which I had with thee before the world was. The Son of God was there. Can't make it any other way. The Son of God was there. Let's go back to the Old Testament. And there's a verse that traditionally you look in all the writings, Hassel's church history, whatever. Traditionally, this has been a key verse. Don't ever hear it mentioned. I've never tried to preach on it before. Never read it that I know of publicly. I've read it, but I've never read it to you, I don't believe. So turn to it. Micah, that's, that's a hard book to find, I understand, but I'm, I'm giving you time to find it. If it helps you, it's a page uh, 1046 in my Bible, but I don't guess that's going to help you you have your tablets, you'll, you'll beat everybody else in finding it. But listen to what it says. Fifth chapter of Micah, just one verse of Scripture. You know, isn't it amazing how sometimes the Lord, look, look at charity. You have a whole chapter, 13th chapter of Corinthians, whole chapter just on charity. But here's just one verse, one little verse. And it says, volume. Listen to what it says. But thou, Bethlehem, and Ephrathah. Now that's a kind of a strange word. Bethlehem means bread of heaven. Ephrathah means a fruitful plain or pasture. That's why maybe the shepherds were feeding their flocks by night. It was a fruitful plain. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. Now, who's the me in this text? It's God, the Father. Who's the he in this text? He shall come forth to me. We'll prove that in just a second. But listen to this. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Now, here again, I'll tell you, if you want, and this is true in business and anything else, if you want to confuse something, form a committee. <laughs> it will just get so confused. Everything, if, well, i leave all, all that alone. But it's remarkable how people have, well, this is talking about so-and-so. This is talking about this king. And this is, one of them, they're saying they're talking about a king that was not even born when this was said. By the way, this was written 700 and over 750 years before the virgin birth. But who's it talking about? Like I said, 
If it's not out of the Bible, you'd have to take my opinion for it or have your own. But there's something in the Bible. Let's go back to Matthew again. Third time we've gone to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew, but at the beginning, at the second chapter of Matthew. What this is talking about is when the three wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. That's what two and one says. But they're coming saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, there's one person that hated to hear that. Have any guess who that could be? The current king. Yeah, Herod. The current king. He didn't want to hear that. So let me just read two and one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Israel and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Fifth verse. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. And here in the sixth verse, he quotes Micah 5 and 2. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least, art, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Obviously, we know who he's talking about. Jesus. You notice how they refer to him, and understand why, Jesus of Nazareth? That's not where he was born. That's where he was raised a portion of the time. What did Herod do? Herod sent men out there to kill. Sounds like Herod went with them, but I don't know. It doesn't say clearly. But to kill all baby boys two years and under. And imagine that. Can't imagine that. There was weeping that day, weeping that night, weeping that period of time. What happened when Christ was born, that we tried, the child is born? What happened is his goings began in a way that it hadn't been before because now you had deity, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. That word, another title, made flesh. And his goings forth began right then and right there. But the Son of God, no, 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 no. His goings had already been going. His goings, my friend, is of old. How old? From eternity. He was there, my friends, before time ever was. Now, that doesn't mean that he couldn't flash his presence for just a moment in bodily form should he desire. Because, you see, he doesn't have to wait for a thing to actually be in order to use it when it pleases him. I'm, com I'm convinced. I am absolutely convinced. And I stand right there with you. That we really, really don't consider the way we should. That the Son of God is God. And the way. The profanity. And the way in which people use and believe that they can just use God as you use a drink of water and when I'm ready to get saved I'll let you save me you know what 43 Psalms or 43 of Isaiah I didn't read it to what it says I will work who will let it 
might as well say, Lord, don't make that star. No, he worketh his will among the armies of the, of the earth, inhabitants of, the, of heaven and the armies of the earth, and none can stay his hand or saying to him, Jehovah, why do us that? That's the Son of God, as well as the Father, as well as the Spirit. What did God need from us? Nothing. Not a thing. I can't tell you much about it because the Bible doesn't explain much about it. But I believe that before Genesis 1, angels were already there. But before angels, God was there. Now remember, I am God and I change not. My friends, I can't explain the details of that because the Bible doesn't have it. And if it had it, I don't know if we can understand it. The closest way that he can understand the work of salvation, my friends, is by explaining it on something that we could understand and that had to do with Abraham and his family. And how Abraham and the promised seed came in and all of that, my friends, is a picture of the eternal covenant. Eternal covenant. You ask people if they believe in grace, most people would say yes. I heard something this morning I didn't set well with me. That someone would believe, not the person telling me, but that someone would believe he had heard that he doesn't look forward for grace. He hopes in that. Well, that's just playing with words. Because hope is an expectation. That sounds to me like it's in forward to me. He has given us grace for grace. He has given us timely grace because of eternal grace. Grace for grace. He can flash himself whenever he wants to. Now, I have some opinions of my own that I think it might have been here. I think maybe it was an angel or a particular thing. I wonder who he wrestled with, with Jacob wrestled with, and all of that. I wonder. I don't know. Jacob evidently wondered because he asked him his name, and the angel wouldn't tell him his name. But guess what? There's a place in Scripture that you don't have to guess. It'll tell you. And it has to do with the king of Babylon. Third chapter of Daniel. And this is where he is getting ready to cast the Hebrew children into the fiery furnace. Because they would not bow before him. And you remember how it was? They told him to heat up the furnace seven times normal. It says that Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, well, let me just see. Give me just a second. Well, anyway, it says that his, he, he, he changed his, his, his appearance. He, he, he became mad. He's, he's three, who, who are they? That everybody else is bowing except, can you imagine not bowing and standing there? Talk about peer pressure. Twenty-fourth verse, three and twenty-four. This is after, and it uses a word here, and I gotta stop for a second. I I have to think about saying the word astonished because it is. A stone or a stond, that's it, a stond. I never knew that word's in the Bible. And I thought, well, surely this is the only place. No, Sonny, it's there about ten times. A-S-T-O-N-I-E-D, a stond. Means to be, I love this, means to be dazed and amazed. <laughs> a stond. So, you learned something today. 
Then, 24th verse, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did we, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. How in the world did he knew that? know that? Who had preached unto him concerning the Son of God? How in the world? You know how he knew it? Same way Peter did. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Here's the point of all of this. Sonny, you got a point? I do. I do. Here, here's the point. I hinted on it a second ago. The reason that it could not say the son is born. Unto us a child is given. Unto us a child, a son is born. It's because it would not be true. The reason it couldn't be said is because the son is eternal. To say he was born of the Virgin Mary, my friends, would say he had his beginning there. He did not. We proved to you. Six, seven times we proved to you. He had to be there. It could be no other. There's no other way to view it. He had to be there. I can't explain how that's so. I can just prove that it's so. And that's going to have to be enough for right now. I can't prove to you how the Father was there in eternity. So I can't prove unto you how the Son is there in eternity. But guess what? The instant which implies time, and this is before time, so I don't know how to speak about it. But the instant that you have a father, you must have the son. And the instant that there is a son, there must be the father. They, together with the spirit, are all eternal, my friends. And you can't start talking with words that will Explain that. It has to be revealed. It is a spiritual truth. It is a foundational spiritual truth. I'll close with the first chapter of Romans. Third verse, one and three. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, root and offspring, according to the flesh. See how careful they are about that. See how careful the writers are. By inspiration is. My friends, just dawned on me, I didn't prove one thing to you. Go to 1 Peter We'll go back to Romans. He has always been there. You can't go to a, an instant in time. It's before time. He has always been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It's just the way it is. Always. Don't try to figure it out. You can't. Just accept it as fact, my friend. Now, whether you realize that, you do that on some things anyway. You accept as a fact that George Washington was the first president. Uh, you accept as fact that uh, you were born to your mother and father on a certain date. You know, I know, I'm not going to tell you about it, I'm sworn to secrecy, but I know right now 
of a person that thinks their mother is dead. And the truth is, their real mother is alive. But that's what they think. Well, I want you to know, my friends, this truth can only be known by it being revealed. So the evidence is not in the brain. The evidence is in the soul and in the heart. And guess what? That is where belief springs from anyway. The head just keeps on trying to catch up with it. I'll just jump in. Tenth verse of 1 Peter. First Peter 1 and 10. Of which salvations the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto them. Now listen. He's talking about Old Testament prophets. He's talking about Old Testament prophets. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. The Spirit of what? Christ. Already there. How did he get there? Same way it happens today. How did he get there? Same way he did with Adam and Eve. Same day. How, how, did, how did he get in Saul? Saul wasn't looking for him. How did he get on the thief of, with the thief of the cross? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The voice of the Son of God speaking life. The Spirit searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them, those old prophets, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Oh, what a blessing we have. have the church, to have the gospel, to have these truths, to have a fellowship. To have these unspeakable things. And, and back in first, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop. First Romans. Third, one and three. Concerning his son, Jesus our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, According to the flesh. And declared. To be. The son of God. Remember how it was. I wasn't there. But I can almost think about it. When I read the account. Of the shepherds. Tending their flocks by night. You know how that started. One angel. And you know what before it was. Was over. There was a heavenly host. I don't know how many angels that is, but it's more than one. A heavenly host declaring the Son of God born a Savior. Not waiting to become one. Born a Savior to you this day in the city of heaven. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Man. And yet they didn't know much about it. Sometimes I think about saying, oh, I wish I'd have been there. And then I think, and not know what the Lord has done for me. I don't know if I trade that or not. You know what? I'm just thankful I live now. Declaring and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And you can study a lifetime about that and still not understand it all concerning 
son is given. And all of this that I have been through, and I, you're not interested in that anyway. I, I've been through a lot in trying to study this. I kind of thought something. I read something. Read it in Hassel's Church History. And I, I kind of thought, and I started, I started working in my mind. I said, you know what? I don't find that in Scripture. I don't, I don't find that term in Scripture. So I started who I could call. Well, the first person I thought of was Brother Bill Walden. He's not there. So the second person I thought of was Brother Clifford. So I called Brother Clifford. I talked to him. And I explained what I was, this term I had read, and then what I thought it was me. And he said, Brother Sonny, I don't have a problem in the world. I think, I think that's true. I just don't know about that term. And I told him, I said, well, evidently, with you all, when I was saying you all before we were together, with you all, there must have been some problems that had come up with the eternal sonship of Christ. And he says, that's right, Brother Sonny. He said, in the mid-70s, early 80s, there was a particular minister, he called his name, and he said, he started preaching that, and it started causing problems among our people. And every association and every meeting you go into, it, it, it had people troubled. But he says, Sonny Powell wrote an article on the eternal sonship of Christ. And that seemed to settle the day. Ooh. Well, I'd rather read that than Hassel's. <laughs> Ooh. Do you happen to have that? Brother Sonny, I do, but I, I don't know where it is. I know, I, I'm sure I do. He says it went out to about all the, the ministers at that time. So I'll call Brother Mike McGovern. Brother Mike, have you, Brother Sonny, I know what paper you're talking about, but when I read it, I was with my father-in-law, Elder Charles Sandage, and he had the paper, and I didn't get a copy of it. So Brother Scott, who would you have called at that time? Good question, isn't it? Yeah. I called Brother David McGovern. And guess what Brother David did? I got it. And he sent it to me. And I got it. It's amazing, my friends, how sometimes one man just standing his ground in the truth can turn the day for the truth. That happened in, da in, in, in David's time when there was one man that quit running from the Philistines and it was in a field of lentils, which are beans, and he stopped right in the middle of that field and he turned and instead of running from the enemy, he started running towards the enemy. When the rest of them saw it, they turned around and they defeated the Philistines and that man is referred to as one of the, of the valiant man of David. Who knows that Christ, who knows that you haven't been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Stand for the truth. And the truth is that the Son of God is eternal. God bless you, is my prayer. As we stand and sing some suitable hymn, Open door for reception of members. We do want to know that you want to come tonight to Temple Church. The opportunity to do it after the first verse is sung. We think of that hymn of thanksgiving. Five hundred and fifty-five.